It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the hive jive. <laughs> to get me stirred up every time on that note we're going to be talking about a youtube video and i will preface this right up front by giving a disclaimer that what we are about to talk about the unmodified version of this is illegal in the united states i right. will say that up front for the simple fact that his core concept. Now, as you see, well, I'm going to put the link out there for the video. I actually questioned whether or not I was going to even do that or if we just talk about it. But I rewatched no. it again this morning. I'm not as prejudiced against it the second time around exactly. as I was the first time. I went through the same thing. And honestly, anybody that's even not a beekeeper has probably seen that video a lot Possibly. of times. Possibly. It's seen by millions and it's it's got it's 7, viral. comments on it. <laughs> so. it's viral and I've been sent that video by non beekeepers. Yeah. Our, most people will know exactly what you're talking about as soon as we get into it and probably pretty probably quickly. already do. Cause we did mention right. it on the last episode that we would be talking about this. So, so um, the reason that it's illegal in the United States is because I'm going to go in and like give all the details, but I just, I wanted this up front. So everybody knew if you choose to do this for whatever reason, his core version of this is illegal. And the reason it's illegal is because a managed beehive in the United States must have removable frames of comb or removable comb. They don't have to be frames. A top bar still works. Uh, right. The new modified Warre hive still work because you can pull an individual comb out of that hive and inspect it for disease and parasites and funguses and things like that, and then put it back into the colony. And that's what makes it a legal hive, regardless its shape or its structure or anything else, is the caveat of removable combs that you can remove easily without destroying the colony and put back into place. So that being said, um, this video, it's titled Bottle to Bottle Honey Production and Contactless Beekeeping. And it was put out by Advoco Makes, is the name of the YouTube channel. And I will post this information out there with the link to the video. The video itself is actually 30 minutes long. It's about 31 minutes long. And my mother originally sent it to me. And when she did, I was in the pickup. I was sitting in the parking lot waiting on her to come out of a store. And the I didn't have the sound on. The radio was still playing in the truck. And so it wasn't actually playing the sound from the phone. But I could see some of the subtitles and captioning that would come up on there. And I literally only watched three minutes of the video. That was it. And I was irritated enough that I was like, whatever, this is a crock, blah, 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 blah. I went back and watched it again last week, just before we were going to talk about it. Or when I mentioned that we were going to talk about it, I watched it again. And then this morning I watched it for the third time. And I watched it the entire way through with the sound on listening to what he said. And my knee jerk reactions from my first three minute introduction to this are not the same reactions that I have today. Right. <laughs> I went through the same experience. Um, I, it got forwarded to me by non-beekeepers. It was in Russian initially. And so same thing, I couldn't understand. I understood a few words here and there, but that's, that's you know, with the images and what he was doing. But I was like, you know, that's, that does, this is clickbait. That was my gut reaction. 
This is yeah, clickbait. you even said that on the last episode. You were like, oh my God, it's clickbait. I've seen it in French. I've seen it in English and Russian. Right. Yeah. Right. So the first time around, but I, I saw that he had a French version afterwards. I didn't really sit through it the second time, much more than like five minutes. And I was still on that, you know, this is clickbait. But like you, I ended up watching pretty much the whole thing and kind of like giving him the benefit of the doubt and noticing other things in the video that were of interest. Yes. So, uh, yeah, let's let's dive into this because this is an interesting, you know, way to look at things. And uh, we've got lots to say about that. Yeah. OK, so right off the bat. The, the concept of bottle-to-bottle -bottle beekeeping, what he's doing is he is finding used water jugs and or what he calls kegs. They're all plastic. None of them are glass. Um, so not a glass or a metal keg, but an actual see-through plastic water jug, basically. And he's modifying them so that they will mimic the internal cavity of a tree. And he's allowing the bees to build natural comb inside these bottles and he's come up with ways where he can interlock the bottles and stack them vertically going up. So again, they mimic the internal volume of a tree. When it comes time from what he said, when it comes time for him to add more space, he's adding it onto the bottom. So the bees right. are constantly drawing new comb as they move down again, just like they would do in nature. And then he's able to remove the top bottle, which by that point becomes solid capped honey and is the older comb that's been raising brood and has been absorbing toxins and things from the environment, he can remove that. And then he does a process of crush and strain. Mm -hmm. When I, that's, that's the whole thing in a nutshell. Now I will say that throughout the video towards the middle and towards the end of it, you do see modifications where he has actually got a hold or created a very large cylinder out of plastic that he right. did create custom frames for and has frames in them that can be removed. And that concept technically is legal. You can do that because you could then pull the frame out and do an inspection with the state apiary inspector and be okay. Um, my first knee-jerk reaction though, when I'm watching this is I'm thinking sustainable beekeeping. That for whatever reason, that's what kept going through my mind. And I was, I was looking at it, not necessarily so much from the, the sustainable beekeeping aspect, but just sustainable period. And I'm watching him take these plastic containers, which again, not listening to what he's doing, just seeing it. I'm thinking all of these toxins that are in plastics that could leach out into the wax and into the honey and everything else. Because as time has gone on, we have learned there's lots of chemicals in plastics that are bad and toxic for us that can leach into the materials inside the plastic that we then consume. The second thing I'm thinking on the sustainable part of it is he's built this container, but it's a one and done because the only way to get that comb back out of there is he's cutting the container apart, cutting it into slices and, and cutting the comb out of it, thereby destroying this plastic container. And he cannot then turn around and reuse it like you can a wooden hive where right. you're putting all the pieces back in and just taking the comb out. And so I was not giving him very much of a benefit of the doubt from that standpoint, because I was like, you're being wasteful and you're, you're, wasting a resource that is bad for the environment does not biodegrade and mm -hmm. in and of itself would not be considered quote unquote sustainable because there's a big push to get rid of plastics and not use plastic containers and bottles and not continue to add all this waste to the landfills and to the oceans and that was my first knee-jerk reaction into that it didn't even really have so much to do with are the bees healthy outside of if you're not using the right plastics things could leach into the wax and the honey and so I was immediately just like, no. Nah. <laughs> right. So that was my first impression. What, what was your first so, kind of gut reaction there? So I actually had a little bit of um, 
um, the well, the, the move, removable frames was one thing, but then at the end, if you're right, he's coming up with that one where he put the frames because that was a big enough container. Uh, I looked at it in a different perspective when it comes to the uh, recyclable aspect of things, because to me, and I see, I saw it when I was in Africa, they will keep those plastic bottles that will go in the landfill otherwise, and they reuse them, they wash them, they reuse them for all kinds of things. And my assumption personally was not that he had bought those plastic or generated demand for that plastic, but he was reusing bottles that were recycled, recycled material that he inter intercepted and reuse them again before they went back to recycling. So in a way that was from that aspect to me, a clever way to put some uh, material to good use that was otherwise going to end up, um, you know, either in the landfill or recycled. Uh, but you're right, it's still more plastic. It's still, you know, leeches. Uh, I don't want plastic in my bees. Uh, I, I don't want it anywhere near my honey. And while this is food grade plastic, obviously, because they're using it for water bottles, uh, with the heat in, in contexts where like in Africa or Texas, where the temperatures are super high, that doesn't work really well. And that brings up the point of insulation. What happens and how do you really efficiently keep those insulated from temperatures um, and, and, you know, condensation in environments like that? They're, they're kind of like mini um, aquariums in a way, right? So that, that breath from the superorganism. There's no um, uh, porous material in any way. There's no ventilation in there. There's all kinds of things that make me think that's an issue. He did show, I mean, I, I was looking at the top of his bottles. He has a little um, has screwdriver with some, with some mesh. Yeah. But, you know, and that's probably to address what he actually did see as problems of condensations and vapor and all this stuff. But you are really preventing the colony, uh, the superorganism from maintaining their temperatures, the levels of humidity and their um, propolis vapors, which they use to sanitize the bird's nest. Uh, when you have that kind of, especially that big of a vent at the top of the colony of all things, because, you know, uh, warm air rises and it creates a draft. And it's really, I would be curious to see if the bees over time, if he can keep those colonies alive in those types of hives for long periods of time um, alive if they wouldn't propolize those vents eventually. They do. Um, towards the very end of the video, he does show where there's a colony that's overwintering and he takes the covering off of it and he shows you and they have actually made the complete propolis cover, almost like what we see on the owl boxes where they right. will close down the entrance and leave just a couple little holes. Um, so they do go through and they did propolize that top vent closed. And that's something that actually I noticed when I was originally doing my design with top bar hives, I gave them two vents, one in the back center and one in the back far opposite corner of where the entrance was on the other side. And they would close them both off. They would go up there and propolize both those yeah, and like close them off because they didn't need it. They didn't, they don't like it. They want to keep that contained and control the airflow preferably right there at their entrance. What goes in and comes out, they create almost like a convection that yes. pulls fresh air in and pushes the bad air out. So and if you open the door, that convection cycle is broken. Right. It's like keeping the Langstroth taking the whole top off and all gone. 
everything there's no there's no more control on those airflows and where they want the temperatures warmer where they want the air draft none of that is controllable if you leave the white the front door wide open yeah and it's this also think of it as if you leave your front door open and you've got either the heat or the air conditioning on it's just completely defeats the entire purpose it does right? and it it's inefficient and it raises your energy expenditure i'm going to say that because bees exactly. don't have bills quote unquote but they do have but they energy expenditure. For it. Yes. Yeah. So if they're constantly in there trying to fan or vibrate to generate heat, either to fan and cool it or vibrate to warm it up, and there's constantly this draft coming through that's negating that, they're using a lot of extra energy that then equates into resources. They have to consume more sugar to be able to keep up that process. And so it can be very costly and expensive. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, exactly right there with you. But as you go through the video, you start hearing him talk about things that alluding to the sense. fact that he's more educated than just your he's standard person on YouTube. Um, and I, Jacob, it's not a direct comment about you, sir. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what I mean by that is because I've, I've said this before, it, it, this doesn't, I, I don't mean to lump everybody together, but obviously one bad apple spoils the whole bunch, right? And right. there are intelligent people putting things out there on YouTube, but there is no filter on YouTube or on Facebook. Yeah. And anybody with a phone can record a video and post whatever they think up there. And we've experienced that a lot in the last three years with the pandemic right. and all the misinformation out there. And it gets to the point, you don't know what's right or wrong anymore. And there's no That's way right. to find that definitive information. But this gentleman, as you go through and you listen to him talk through the video, he does start talking about things like the old brood comb and mm -hmm. how always allowing the larva to be raised in the fresh new comb keeps the larva healthier and helps the colony sustain and become better and you're doing them a service by removing that old comb. Well, right. that comes right back into comb recycling and, and rotating out. Yes. Yeah. And so that's a natural form of beekeeping that an educated beekeeper would want to do to keep their colonies healthy and strong. So he's obviously educated about beekeeping. He's obviously yeah. smart. Uh, I believe in his bio, he's actually a lawyer somewhere in Russia. Um, I watched what I did is I, I didn't watch the entirety of his other videos, but I glanced through the other videos he's got posted on his channel. He's a very clever guy. Yes. And, and actually, there's a lot of things that I think are very interesting in what he's doing. One of my favorite thing in this video was about two minutes and 50 seconds into there. He extracts, he puts the honey into a bag which Does also the, is a great technique. And he's got that wooden press that he cut in and he just, and I was like, I'm going to make this. Yeah. And this is awesome. I love this. This it is does beautiful. crush and strain where you can literally set the weight on it and walk away and let gravity <laughs> and nature do its thing. He's an inventor and I commend him for that. I actually, you know, as much as I had that initial gut reaction of, oh, this is clickbait. This is just not, you know, how do you keep bees? This is not sustainable. That's not going to last. Those colonies are going to die. He forced them into the bottle. I was going through all those reasons why this was a bad idea. And I'm not necessarily for the concept of what he's doing. I do like a lot of the clever little inventions that he's got around that. I do like the aspect of recycling some of those bottles, especially the big, big old thing. But um you know, in all reality, I don't think it's a um, sustainable in long term. I'm not sure that works yeah. um, as well for the bees, but he's got some really, I mean, and he was able to 
uh, it's got the pros and cons. So for somebody that's trying to watch what the bees are doing, he makes basically observation hives. Is right. What there's, there's one instance that he's got it inside his office window. coming yeah. through the window and it's propped up and mounted against the wall where he can set right there and he can, yeah. he can, as he said, you can hear the buzz of the bees. You can smell the aroma right. from the hive, which actually has its own beneficial effects on us. But exactly. he can observe the bees and the way that he has it set up is it's not locked in place so he can turn it without hurting anything right. and he can rotate it look at different angles see what's going on where the bees don't feel like they're being intruded upon and they right. continue going about their natural processes. Except for one thing does he cover them up because uh, they need to be in the dark of a cavity usually they don't really function as well out in the open and even if they are an open air hive the core of what's happening is inside where the light doesn't get in right, right. so they they, they almost form that. a coating of bees around the outside to block it and, and that's also to maintain those internal temperatures and gases exactly. and everything like that so, so in the wild when he puts them outside and he didn't show an example of interior covering but when he puts them out there on the trees he does actually cover and insulate them. Yes. And, and I did the insulation. Yes. I did like the aspect of what he was doing because he used an insulation and put over it, but then it almost looked like on top of that, he had done some sort of like burlap and formed it almost like a plaster kind of thing to the insulation. Mm -hmm. Because when it was up against a tree, he would then put some branches and stuff against it and it blended in <laughs> and you right. didn't really see it. And from that concept, I... I had the inclination of, okay, yes. Yeah. So what he did is he went to the, these stores that were going to get rid of these bottles and they would go yes. into the landfills. He offered to buy them for literally pennies on the dollar. Half the time he says they give him excess because they just want to get rid of them. And so mm -hmm. he's got this cheap or free in like in not income, but resource coming in that he can go through and use to then recycle and reuse and repurpose. Well, mm -hmm. from a swarm capture swarm trap perspective. You think about our paper mache hives that we buy from places like Man Lake that you can stick up and catch a swarm. Yeah. I got to thinking, well, you know, you could in theory build a swarm trap and it's going to have a nice small opening, which the bees are going to prefer. You could stick this out there, not with the intention of necessarily the honey harvest, but the intention of something small and lightweight that could easily be affixed to a tree, allow yeah. bees to move into it, cover it like he did so that it's kind of camouflaged and blended in. And in some of the videos, you see him putting in dowel rods and boards so that it will support the comb structure. Well, if you do a few of those that have been coated in wax across the very top of a, if it was wide enough, you're going to get them to start building their comb down off of those, which then for me could be a very easy plug and play either into one, a top bar hive by cutting right. the comb and sticking it onto a rescue bar or two, putting it into one of the Sam Comfort style hives that use a dowel rod anyway for the actual comb hanging. Mm -hmm. And I, so that part of it, I was like, I don't know. I might have to try that just to see you you're mimicking what they're looking for in nature anyway, internal volume wise. Mm -hmm. And if you're not using it for sustained long-term periods of them living in it, you just want to encourage them to move in and start. And then you can transfer them over into a top bar. I might be interested in that. <laughs> yeah, look, there's, there's some um, ideas that are obviously 
you know, not necessarily sustainable in there. And some of it might be for the wow factor, the clickbait factor, you know, just kind of uh, get people sucked in. There are, however, a bunch of really good ideas in there that can uh, lead clever beekeepers to come up with similar ideas or, or use some of those ideas to make it fit whatever they're doing. I did like that he was talking about how instead of using straps, you would use screws to affect the wood support for that big hive. Uh, and he was talking about how that splits the, the, the fibers instead of cutting them or strangling the tree. Yeah, like you it, would it, straps. it pushes the fibers out of the way as mm -hmm. opposed to tearing and hurting something. And, and a strap right suffocates mm -hmm. the tree. It, it doesn't move with the tree. So if you leave it too long, it actually yes. ends up choking the tree. Um, what a lot of people don't actually understand about trees in general, and I doing removals and forced abscons from trees, I've worked with lots of people that that is their specialty is trees and making sure that they are healthy and strong and thrive. And the outer Michael, ring of the tree. The huh? I talked to Michael, by the way. Oh, very good. Very good. Yes. The arborists. Yep. Uh, yep. So the outer ring of the tree just underneath the bark that's the part that's actually alive and that is carrying the sap and the nutrients up and down from the leaves to the roots the center of the trunk the core of the tree is not it's that is its tree. support structure that is left behind as that outer ring grows out and mm -hmm. that intersection even though you can cut it and it may still be damp or soft you know and feel wet it's not quote unquote alive that is not the actual part of the tree that is sending the nutrients back and forth. And that's why you can have like down there in central Texas, especially you can have oak rot, which takes out the center core of a tree. Right. And you've still got this massive mammoth tree alive and well and standing, even though the whole inside of it's hollow, right. which then makes a perfect home for bees. <laughs> that's right. That, that nature works in mysterious, but wonderful ways. <laughs> no, but uh, so by using, by the way, using a vertical, um uh anchoring of those screws instead of going so you, what you don't want is cut that yeah you don't ever want to cut a complete around yeah. bark ever right so he's doing it vertically and it's removable and it doesn't really hurt the tree so i really really like that now those especially with the bigger bottles containers plastic containers he was using and hanging off the trees with a full colony that becomes a very heavy thing how does he work that sustainably? Does he climb on the ladder and work those off of the tree? Does he bring them down? Does he need like four people to bring them down? How right. does he set them up when he's brought them down to inspect them? All that good stuff that's practical applications that need to be taken into account when you think about this stuff, right? Well, it, it doesn't show it. He shows putting the smaller one for like a swarm trap type setup mm -hmm. with one big jug. And, and then I he shows a long one where he could stack multiple jugs above it to do the the bottle to bottle beekeeping honey production that he was talking about. My question though is, it didn't show it in the video, but if you've got your your plastic jug and then you stick another plastic jug on top of it, the weight of the honey is sure. going to crush or cave in the top of that other jug That's unless there's something behind there to support each individual each jug level. as it goes up that level. Yeah, up that tree. So, and he didn't, he showed a, a board at the top and a board at the bottom, but he didn't show anything in the middle. So that's a great question. The other thing he finally mentions partway through the video, but at first, when you're watching all this, he's reaching up there and he's taking off these containers that don't have a single bee in them. And right. it's just comb and capped honey and there's no bees. And I'm like, thing, how'd yeah. you get them out of there to do that? That's yeah. almost like the, 
the concept of whenever they they had the flow hive and they show the whole production of like, oh, you can do this. There's not a single bee flying around anywhere in that video because they have cleaned that out and removed it to a stable environment to film so that they can get a beautiful scenario. Because in reality, if it's an active hive, even if they're not coming after the, you or the honey, they're still going to be flying around. You're still going to see bees coming around that hive, you know? So I question that. But later in the video, he does talk about he did queen excluders. He cut queen excluders to fit in between the necks of these bottles that he's hooking together so that the workers can get up in there, build the wax and make the comb. But the queen can't get up there and lay eggs. And then you can have this pure cut comb honey out of there. So my I made it a logical assumption or a leap that at some point he also has maybe a bee escape that he's taking off and putting on there and putting down so that overnight the bees go through the bee escape and then he can take that bottle off with no bees in it. So using some of that repellent and and forcing them out because it stinks. Possibly so. But he he doesn't mention any of that, but possibly so. No, no, no. So there's a lot of, uh, so it's like another person that shall not be named. It's a lot of content creation at the same time, right? This is like, uh, some of it is somewhat staged, uh, obviously. I think for the but video, cannot, absolutely. But the, but but I cannot I, throw the stone because in the end, it is creating traction. It is creating attention and, and it's bringing people. Look, I don't know exactly what his goal is with this, but whatever his goal is, he's got almost 5 million views on there. So if his only goal, and, and I suspect that's part of his most uh, important goal, is to get views and get people following his channel. I would say he's done a fantastic job of that. He's a great marketer. He's a great storyteller and a great content creator, even if it's staged or whatever. At yeah. the end uh, of the video, he's got his plaque, right? He's got his plaque. He's very proud of that, where he's showing, you know, whatever, 10,000 subscribers and all this stuff, right? So yeah obviously a component uh, in that that's not just that's, and it's not all yeah. so let, let's put it also into perspective he does not have a lot of beekeeping videos his thing only, and it, yeah. it is ad advoco makes makes is the key word and it's capitalized because he is like you said an inventor he is somebody that yeah. works with wood and he creates all these things he's building a log cabin from scratch he built right. a bridge from scratch and he's doing all these things and he's showing you a sustainable way where you could potentially do beekeeping, yes. which in countries like Africa, where there's not a lot of resources and a lot of money to go around, could right. actually be modified to be something beneficial for them. So, yeah. Right. Um, and through all of those different things, I'm not looking at his channel directly, so I can't tell you how many different videos he has. But I can tell you this video has 4.8 million views, has over 90,000 likes, views, has yes. over 7,000 comments. And his channel as a whole has 830,000 subscribers. Yeah, so, so he's making money. <laughs> he's getting some ad kickback from, right. from YouTube for certain. And that's probably helping to sustain some of his future projects yeah. and endeavors and things like that. And that's perfectly fine. That's right. When I watch his video, I can see things that I don't agree with. I can see things that do make a logical jump in, in thought there. And I can see things that I'm like, I kind of like that. Yes. And to mention that or to to tie that with, as you said, um, you know, somebody who shall not be named, <laughs> their videos are 1000% staged for the fact of followers. They are sensationalized and they do not teach good practices. There's nothing in those videos that I watch that I stop and say, oh, that's a great concept. Most right. of the time, I, if I make it through them, I'm screaming at the computer. Exactly. How you're going to get somebody hurt. 
This, like, on the other hand, is not that way. Good for her. That's great, you know, marketing. She's a great marketer. That's her job, actually. And, and it's working out. And she's got she's an influencer. And she's getting contracts yeah, for things, just right? It's a shame that the influence that she's doing is not a safe influence. <laughs> right. But, I mean, at the very least, this, this gentleman personally is made i'm a big you know i like to tinker i like to come up with inventions i like to to come up with solutions to problems and make them as simple as possible and he has me excited about some of the concepts that are bubbling up and yeah. just kind of like ideas um and, and it did push me to go and look onto his other videos and quite honestly i really enjoy his other videos it's like very well, clever let's think about you and mathematics and yes. woodworking yes. and designing and building. That speaks you, to my kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, like Natalie has free time. What's she gonna do? <laughs> Nothing else to go on? Oh, she's gonna sit down and for the 12th time, redesign <laughs> the top bar hive and make a tiny little adjustment here or there. And Play you know, like, do, yeah, do, do doing the doodles the and the math and the geometry. Yes. Exactly. And you're, you're going through and like, like when you went through and you decided, oh, but if we just move the legs over here and then I, I could take that end cap and I could change it to where it becomes a platform and we can stick up the nukes, you know, like if I only simple concept, massive implications. Exactly. And, and my whole thing is about simplifying things so they become easy, right? So they become um, adoptable by all kinds of, and they can lead to other ways to think about the problem. So the beekeeping industry is very stuck in its ways. It's very stuck, and this is the way you keep pieces of the concept that you're following, and then this is it, right? Either that, or we're going to make it as complicated as we possibly can, because you know we like to think about stuff and we like to tinker, and we're going to make you know try all kinds of things, and that's great. But how replicable is it? How expand? How scalable is this? The goal, and um, you know, um, um, the Abby from Buckfast Bees, um, the Buckfast. Um, I forget what he's the, naming. The, yeah, the monastery Mom. that created that. Yeah, he. I read his book recently, and basically what he was saying is that you're not successful in beekeeping unless you've managed to simplify and minimize the time you're taking to work your bees. And that's a big dri driving concept for me because I want the beekeeping to be adoptable by just about everybody uh, for people to return to having beehives in their backyards in the United States. It's the case in Slovenia. There's no reason why we cannot do that. That detaches us from being a subject or, or dependent on commercial beekeeping or the supply chain for the, the, the equipment or um, being dependent on honey from the grocery store that's most of it is fraudulent. So by taking it back ownership of, of this, we can we can kind of detach from our all that but we have to do it in a simple way because otherwise it's not adoptable by everybody yeah he Hands does that. he does make the comment too that one of his driving factors of wanting to be able to have something simple and portable that he can move that's lightweight is because he does not trust honey from the stores right. he does not trust honey from other sources yes. he I doesn't trust honey from commercial beekeepers and he does apologize in there and says that he makes no offense towards them but it's still unfortunately true. They do treat with synthetic chemicals and pesticides. It absorbs into the comb. It gets into the honey and then we eat it. And he doesn't want to be doing that. And so he knows that even in his own small little village, that some people may use things in their gardens and their flower beds and stuff that he doesn't want in his honey. So he purposely takes these colonies that he's making four miles away out into the forest 
and hooks them to trees where they're not right. around any towns, no farms, no agriculture. So then he feels more assured and confident in the fact that his honey is pure raw honey that doesn't have these contaminating factors from other things. And you've touched up to what I was going to talk about at some point later, because that was on my list of things. It's a very, yes, unnatural approach to the hive concept itself, but his whole um, uh, point about going as far as possible into the pristine forest speaks to me. However, I would say I'm a pragmatic kind of a natural treatment-free beekeeper. I don't, you know, not everybody has that opportunity. That's true. So we can control what we can control. And so my whole thing is that, well, first of all, don't put pesticides into your colonies. You can control that totally. You cannot control necessarily what's around your your neighbors or the fields around you. And people that are criticizing treatment for beekeeping by saying, well, you're always gonna have pesticides because your bees are gonna be exposed. That's fine. But it doesn't mean we need to add up to that by pouring it into the hives ourselves. Right. And, and to his point, you know, the Arnold forest that Dr. Seeley worked with was pristine. There's some forests that are pristine. Joe Blow in his backyard uh, around Austin, Texas, doesn't have access to that. Yet I do think that we should have more localized beekeeping activities. First of all, it sensibilizes everybody to the cause of the, not only honeybees, but the pollinators. And also it allows you to control what's in your backyard. You take away some of that power from that industry that's treating and everything. And, and there's something to be said about that. Um, I think that, you know, I, I think that his concept from that standpoint, there's implications that are good. I'm looking at uh, minute 27 and he's got that big bottle in the tree in the pristine new comb. But if you look at 2707, those combs are off kelter with the uh, hive. They're attached to the bottle. Even if he's using frames, that's not a removal hive because it's 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 right. it's attached. attached. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's all cross combed. So there's all those considerations you take in 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 mind. Uh, what looks sometimes simple and clever can also have implications where it's not that simple and clever to manage it. Right. Well, and it's simple and clever for him. So mm -hmm. even even if you were going to be, and dare I say it, even if you were going to be a kin-style beekeeper where you're looking at this going, <laughs> oh my God, I can have hives and I never have to touch them. That's right. not legal. If the state apiary inspector comes out there and they're like, what the hell is this? And I can't inspect it. You will be in trouble for that. It's not something that can be inspected. But in other countries where you maybe don't have those specific rules, which I, I'm not sure of which ones do and don't because American foul brood is a big thing. And that's why we came up with that to have to be able to inspect them. They have to be removable was because of diseases like that. And when you go through and you look at his videos and you're looking at this stuff and you're like, oh my God, a simple concept. I can take a bottle. I can turn around and I can make it into this. Can you though? Can you do what he, he is doing? skills to start with. To that's right. That. That's right. He's taking a bottle and he's adding an additional threaded cap to the side of it. He's adding an event to the top. He's created portals that have bee escapes and queen excluders and vents and wire. Very and he does, he does show you a, a, a like a brief little overview of how he puts the screen on there, which I looked at that and I was like, oh my God, that was brilliant. <laughs> like I hadn't thought of that. And I put screen on things all the time, but I hadn't thought of doing that where he integrated it in. And, you know, like, so yes, it is something that looks simple because it is simple to him because of his skill set. He's building a freaking arced bridge by right. hand. So mm -hmm. 
modifying a bottle to have a couple of extra nozzles and spouts and threaded pieces and things like that, not so complicated until you try to do it yourself and you don't have all the tools. You screw up like the first 30 that you try to do. Um, Yeah, it's just like with anything with practice makes perfect. And the the more you do it, the simpler it gets to you. Um, I don't think that you could just necessarily go straight out there and do it. It's not like less in his barrel top bar hives where literally all he needed to do was cut the hive in half and then cut a board big enough to fit it almost the you have to cut a band at the top because yeah. it, if it's uh, a half it's to it's got a part of it that's slightly vertical and it tends to attach more so he's cutting it lower so that there's less attachment and also that makes those bars um uh, uh not as long and that not as deep so those combs are not as heavy the yeah. other thing he does is that that frame that supports the bars instead of being flat flush with the bars there he's making them like we do on the top bar bar, right this way so that there's very little contact and very little crushing of the bees we're working i i just volunteered with um winrock the ngo organization and in february i'm training uh um with a a, he's i think he is south Cameroonese or nigerian but um basically the goal is for me to train the trainers that are going to do um, the training of the refugees from South Cameroon that live in Nigeria to kind of like train them onto drum slash barrel beekeeping. Um, and, and the whole thing, so it's even simpler than with the Taba hives, the Kenyan Taba hives, right? You still have to cut this five pieces of wood, in all honesty, this is super easy, and then the bars. Uh, but you still have to have the wood and the the the, the cutting tools and all the stuff. And with the drum hives, you're cutting. You could do that with a, a circular saw or something and just cut around and then get somebody to put the bars in the frames and you have a hive. So the whole goal of sustainable beekeeping in that way that's scalable uh, in all kinds of environments as simply as possible is to make sure that you don't need specialist skills. You don't need a lot of means. You don't need a lot of tools or electricity even half the time. You can do that. I think they were doing it with a, a handsaw, right? So, uh, you know, you can't really necessarily do a whole lot of that with some of the other hives. I think potentially uh, some of these big hives, you could do some of that, but it doesn't replace knowing the biology of the honeybee so that you can make it work, right? Uh, right. Those little tiny bottles and the way that it was, there's a lot of thinking that goes into that. And it's actually very complex Yeah, uh, what he's doing. Yeah, it was it was a lot of uh, inter, interconnectivity and interplay going on there. And he had put a lot of thought into it and mm-hmm. knowing bees and knowing how to do it, plus also knowing his engineering side and his building and creativity that's kind of what all goes into that to make it work out but um i'm still not necessarily beyond the fact of having a hive sitting in here beside my desk (laughs) i am gonna do that i I, what i was gonna do is i actually have the aquarium the old uh, that was actually a terrarium that my neighbor got was getting rid of and i was like i want and and so I'm going to make a aquarium observation hive into my house. So yeah, just like you, I want one of those real. Yeah, bad. I think it would be really cool. You can. Yeah. So the way that you would end up doing it would be kind of more like what you see now in some of the art museums where they've got the living hive in a mm-hmm. glass container, basically, that you can see them building the comb. Um, <laughs> there's also the the hexagonal ones that fit on the wall, but there is no way in hell I'm paying that much money for those suckers. No, and, and it's, it's not, not a lot of space either. Yeah, yeah it's not a lot of space. 
Mm -hmm. That's not good for the colony and it's like you have to replace them. I mean, I was talking to a, a, a large commercial treatment free beekeeper that you bo both you and I know in Texas that's very famous that has those in their store um, and they do have to replace them. My understanding is that, you know, over time, that's not sustainable for the bees. So it's great for the display and the, the talking points and all the stuff, start conversation starters, but it's not necessarily um, sustainable for the bees themselves. Right. So. Yeah. I did love branching out. And I think that's a great, clever way to do this. He's got like a really, you know, viral video that leads to people looking at his channel, looking at all those um, uh, videos. And, and my favorite is where the log cabin is awesome. It's beautiful. And it's got a green roof on it. He's making hives. He's doing the bushcraft, which I think is very little primitive tools is making all kinds of clever things, um, the axe making and, and uh, hitting with the tent with a torch. I mean, all kinds of things, super, very clever. And from that standpoint, I really want to talk to that gentleman and potentially invite him to go and talk about things. Maybe he could be on World B-Day webinar. Maybe so. I was I was thinking about having him on one of the episodes of the upcoming season of the, the podcast, actually, to go through and, and chat with him too, because it is very clever regardless of the container that he's using and things like that, his mind is fascinating. And, and, and I have a lot more respect for that, even though the videos itself, I'm not sure that I've, I agree with a lot of this stuff, right? But I have a lot more respect for that than just empty influencing. You just kind of like, you know, we're kind of uh, doing this for- For yourself, clicks. period. Right, right, Just right. for notoriety and fame. And, and his his goal is not that. His goal is definitely- I really enjoy doing these things. And I have found that if I record myself doing these things, it might help support my hobby. But yes. the goal for him is doing the things and they're legitimate, well thought out, awesome projects. Um, mm -hmm. They're not just sensationalism for the, so the sake of making himself famous. And, and as such, I have to apologize for my initial gut reaction of saying, oh, this is just clickbait, right? I do too. And, and I think we've gushed enough on him to kind of uh, show that we actually mean it, that we are regretting our initial gut knee-jerk reaction. About. Right. Don't don't judge a book by the cover. Don't watch the first two minutes on silent where you're not even hearing right. talk and <laughs> make an opinion. <laughs> make an opinion about it. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, so. It would have been a completely different episode had we done this last week. Absolutely. We would not have been as kind or, or as enthusiastic about the underlying uh, implications of what he's doing. That's right. Yeah. So so definitely sometimes it helps to hear people out um, unless they have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, everybody. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this little conversation. The link is down in the actual description of the video and the audio versions of this on Patreon. So you can go out there and click on it and watch the whole thing all the way through with the sound on so that you can hear what he's talking about. Stick it out for 30 minutes. Watch the whole thing. And be then uh, be mindful about it. Yeah. yeah. And then then draw your own opinions. And, exactly. But definitely go go take a look at it. See what you think. If you have any other thoughts or feedback and you want to share yes. with us, go ahead and leave that down there in the comments. We would love to see that. And maybe we can have another episode where we discuss some of those topics that you've brought up in there. Definitely look forward to that. But until then, everybody, be good. Be mindful. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you, and we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees.